popular quartet Hetman, the Hetman Quartet, and Oina Hori Tajin Sejnut on the hill the reapers are reaping. Vitaya vas vsih dorihi radio suhichi na radio peredachu na sholos radio krinsko hokorinia na bahatumovni radio stanci am 1320 chmb umisti vankuveri. Primikrofoni pavina. Dobry vatchard and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. On today's program, introducing a new news feature. This will be coming to you courtesy the Kiev Independent, which is Ukraine's newest and fastest growing English language Ukrainian news organization. So we will be doing a news roundup of some of their stories on a weekly basis moving forward. God willing. As well, we've got an interview with Alina and Irena from Maple Hope Foundation, and they'll be giving us details on the upcoming Ukrainian film series that'll be taking place at the Cinematheque in Vancouver starting on February 1st, so you won't want to miss the details on that. As well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is Yuri Horodetsky, a much-beloved singer in Ukraine, and 
Here he is now with what has become known as Ukraine's national anthem of defense, Shablia's Bratia Ukrainsi, Ukrainian Brothers. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shochenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nasholos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shochenkofoundation.ca. Ukraine War Amps is happy to announce that we are shipping parcels to veterans and Ukraine's defenders to commemorate the 105th anniversary of United Ukraine on January 22nd, 2024. A parcel includes as follows. War Doctrine, a book written by a defense minister of Carpathian Ukraine, and Food Basics, 
sausage, cheese, spaghetti, canned olives, tea, chocolates, buckwheat, canned meat, and canned fish. For only $40 US, the UWA team will prepare, pack, and ship a parcel with items described here to a family in Ukraine. Everyone is welcome to participate in this unique humanitarian gesture. Every dollar counts. To donate through PayPal or e-transfer, please use our email, ukrainewaramps at gmail.com. young singer by the name of Eileen and that was her singing that Polish song that Ukrainians have adopted and adapted as one of their patriotic songs Hey Sokole Hey Eagles Up next also from Ukraine Roman Zahuba with Pisnia Prodivchat a song about girls and women <laughs> Thank you. 
Маленькі дівчата виростають великих і злих жінок І ті, що найгірші з них, не виходять з моїх думок Скидають блискучу шкіру декілька днів підряд З'їж моє серце, відріж моє крила, пустив мою кров свій яд Пустив мою кров свій яд Дівчата сховались надійно в дорослих сумних жінках І ті, що найкращі з них, станцюють на моїх кістках Заради швидкої втіхи, заради твоїх принад Я віддаю свою душу і тіло, пустив мою кров свій яд Пустив мою кров свій яд Жалібно плачуть дорослі хлопчики, ні Залатане серце сховаю в пляшку, шукайте його на дні Я десь загубив свою душу і віру серед пустих розмов Ламай мої груди, не знаючи міри, пусти свіят в мою кров Пусти свіят в мою кров the latest news from Ukraine, courtesy the Kiev Independent, Ukraine's largest and fastest-growing English-language news organization. The death toll of a Russian missile attack against Kharkiv on January 23rd has risen to 10, as two more bodies were found under the rubble, the State Emergency Service said on January 24th. 
Russia launched a mass missile strike against Ukraine on January 23rd, targeting mainly Kiev, Kharkiv, and Pavlorad in Dnipropetrovsk Oblast. Counting the latest numbers, the attack killed 11 people and injured over 80. The two Kharkiv residents found in the ruins of a five-story building were a 56-year-old woman and a 57-year-old man. Two killed dogs were also found in the rubble. Russia began intensifying its attacks against Ukraine's cities and infrastructure as the temperatures dropped, echoing its strategy from last winter. Russian drone attacks in Odessa on the evening of January 24th injured two people, according to the governor. One man suffered from burns and another was hospitalized with multiple but non-fatal cuts. The attacks also caused damage to residential buildings and started fires. Located far from the active combat zone, Russia still frequently targets Odessa, often attacking with drones. A drone strike on January 17th injured three people and damaged buildings, forcing the evacuation of 130 people. Russian troops also launched an attack against the town of Hirnik in Donetsk Oblast, targeting a residential area. Two people were killed and nine were injured, including two 16-year-olds. One of the wounded boys is in extremely serious condition. In southern Kherson, Russian forces launched an attack, hitting a hospital and injuring at least three medical workers. A 60-year-old woman was also injured in the attacks against the city. She was reportedly hospitalized with a leg wound and explosive injuries. The list of prisoners of war claimed by Russian propagandists to have been on board the IL-76 aircraft that crashed on January 24th includes those who had already been swapped before, according to Ukraine's chief ombudsman Dmitry Lubinets. Russian propagandist Margarita Simonyan shared the list of Ukrainian POWs who were allegedly on board the aircraft on the evening of January 24th, with Kiev not confirming the claims and calling for an international investigation. Ukrainian media outlet Suspilna analyzed the list and confirmed that most of the names were previously mentioned as POWs or missing persons, and that some had appeared in captivity in Russian propaganda videos. We found Ukrainian citizens in the list who have already been previously exchanged, Lubinets said. Ukraine's military intelligence agency said that a prisoner swap was indeed planned for January 24th, but it did not happen. The agency's spokesperson said the claim about Ukrainian prisoners on board is currently being verified. President Volodymyr Zelensky announced that Ukraine will demand an international investigation into the plane crash. Two Ukrainian teenagers previously deported to Russia from the occupied part of Kherson Oblast returned to their families in Ukraine, according to Kherson Oblast Governor Oleksandr Prokudin. Since February of 2022, nearly 20,000 Ukrainian children have been identified as abducted from Russian-occupied territories and sent to other Russian-controlled areas of Ukraine or to Russia itself, according to a Ukrainian national database. Ukraine has only been able to return about 400 children. The teenagers returned on January 25th are a 16-year-old boy and a 17-year-old girl from the village of Krynke on the east bank of the Dnipro River, held by Russia since the start of the full-scale invasion. After Ukraine liberated Kherson and other regional settlements on the river's west bank in November of 2022, the teenagers were reportedly deported to Russia's Krasnodar region. The efforts of many services resulted in returning the children to the Ukraine-controlled territory to their families, thanks to the organization Save Ukraine, which contributed to this, the oblast governor said on Telegram. 
Earlier the same day, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, or PACE, adopted a resolution calling on European leaders to make all efforts to return Ukrainian children abducted by Russia home. In March 2023, the International Criminal Court, or ICC, issued arrest warrants for Russian President Vladimir Putin and Russian Children's Rights Commissioner Maria Lvova Belova for allegedly overseeing the forced deportations of Ukrainian children to Russia. The ICC believes Putin bears individual criminal responsibility as the leader of Russia for the crimes committed against Ukrainian children. Ukraine will take steps to research, publicize, and protect the histories of Ukrainians living in parts of modern-day Russia that have been historically inhabited by Ukrainians, according to a decree signed by President Volodymyr Zelensky on January 22nd. Zelensky announced he had signed the decree during his address on Unity Day, a national holiday celebrated on January 22nd that marks the unification of the Ukrainian People's Republic and the Western Ukrainian People's Republic in 1919 into one independent country. The decree stipulates that the government should cooperate with international experts to create a plan to preserve the national identity of Ukrainians in specific territories of what is now Russia. The decree listed the regions of Kuban, a historical region to the east of the Crimean Peninsula, Storodubshina, to the north of Chernihiv, and northern and eastern Slobozhanshchina. Also known as Sloboda Ukraine, Slobozhanshchina was a significant and semi-autonomous region under Tsarist rule that extended across what is now northeastern Ukraine, predominantly Sumer, Kharkiv, and Luhansk oblasts, and southwestern Russia. Krasnodar Krai covers most of what was once Kuban, while Starodubshina now lies predominantly in Bryansk Oblast. The decree also declares that the government should preserve the history of Ukrainians in these regions. Their testimonies on the forced russification, political repression, and deportations they suffered should be recorded, according to the decree. More work should also be done to counter disinformation and propaganda of the Russian Federation regarding the history and present of Ukrainians in Russia, and to develop relations between Ukrainians and other peoples enslaved by Russia. The government should work with the National Academy of Sciences to develop materials about the more than thousand-year history of Ukrainian state formation, the historical connections of lands inhabited by ethnic Ukrainians, and Ukrainian national state formations in various historical periods. The true history of ethnic Ukrainians in the lands historically inhabited by them within the borders of the Russian Federation should also be included in educational textbooks, according to the decree. The European Commission has started assessing Ukrainian legislation for compliance with EU laws, which lays the groundwork for the membership negotiations, President Volodymyr Zelensky said on January 25th. The screening is the first step towards Ukraine's accession talks with the EU. To be allowed to join the Union, a country must harmonize its legislation with that of the EU and adopt all legal acts and decrees that constitute the European Union law. The thorough work of assessing the conformity of Ukrainian legislation with EU norms, the formation of Ukraine's delegation, and our negotiating position are all ahead of us, said Zelensky. The Ukrainian delegation, led by Deputy Prime Minister for European and Euro-Atlantic Integration, Olha Stefanishna, met with EU officials in Brussels on January 25th to start the screening process. The European Council agreed to open accession talks with Ukraine and Moldova on December 14th. 
the announcement delivered a significant political victory for Ukraine amid worries that Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban would block the start of the negotiations. And that's the news from Ukraine for today. Coming to you courtesy the Kiev Independent, Ukraine's largest and fastest-growing English-language news organization. For more up-to-date news stories as they happen, visit their website, kievindependent.com, and make sure to follow them on social media. To allow this independent Ukrainian news team to continue delivering you news from on the ground in Ukraine, please consider becoming a member at kievindependent.com. На дворі червоніє, синіє далина, Безбогник розгорівся, хтось пісню погочина. Коли на крилях ночі на землю сон слетить, Я в темний гай виходжу світками На землю сон злетить, я в темний гай виходжу з квітками гонить. Мені шептала роза, я бачила його. Учора вранці рвав він квітки з куща мого. Шептав мені барвінок, я його зустрічав. Засмучений ходив він, весь світ мій погодоптав. Шептав мені барвінок, я його зустрічав. Засмучений ходив він, весь світ мій and another new singer bursting onto the scene, Sofika Lashisha, and that was Nadvori Cervonia, a romantic song about sunset. Up next, Kozak Sidamaha, a modern-day Kozak singing an ancient Kozak song about leaving his sweetheart and going off to war. Zasemet stale, kozacienke pokit spala noci. Zaplakala devčinonika, svoje jazne oči. Zaplakala devčinonika, svoje jazne oči. Neplažne plaže devčinonika, Neplačne žurisa, kraše zazvomila, bo pomolica. Kraše zazvomila, bo pomolica. 
Sluhajte radio programu Naš holos radio Ukrajinskoho Korinja. Pri mikrofoni Pavlina. You're listening to Naš holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Pavlina.
from Montreal from their third album, Nivsemanaya, Not Everything Fades Away. And that song was Predut Shtedni Dla Jurbe, And There Will Come Days of Sorrow. And the lyrics are by Ukrainian poet Oleksandr Oles. A Ukrainian film series called Witnessing Change, Ukrainian Cinema in a Time of Turmoil, will take place on Thursday, February 1st at the Cinematheque in downtown Vancouver. Witnessing Change provides an overview of the evolution of Ukrainian cinema from its difficult start in the early 20th century through its turbulent journey up to today. This Ukrainian film series is co-presented with Cinematech, and part proceeds will benefit the Maple Hope Foundation, which supports defenders and civilians in Ukraine, as well as Ukrainians taking refuge from the war here in Canada. Maple Hope Foundation is a Vancouver-based organization. Two of their volunteers are Irena Borzolova and Alina Flamesenchenko, and they are on the line now to give us a bit of a sneak preview of this fascinating Ukrainian film series. So welcome, ladies, and so nice to meet with you. Uh, thank you for having us today. It's wonderful to have you. So let's just start with um, an introduction. Can you just uh, tell us a bit about yourselves and uh, your role at Maple Hope Foundation? My name is Alina Senchenko, and I'm artist uh, here in Vancouver, BC. My Maple Hope Foundation connection is a kind of cultural connection right now. I'm collaborating with Maple Hope uh, on cultural projects together, so that's kind of my story. What kind of art do you do? I'm doing mostly visual art and mainly photography-based, also with interest in curation and video. Oh, wow. Okay. And Irena? Uh, I'm Irina Borzolova, and I am a volunteer board member and a development lead at uh, Maple Hope Foundation. I have been uh, now working very successfully and collaborating with, with Alina and, uh, on behalf of Maple Hope Foundation for a while and specifically focusing, like Alina said, on the, on the cultural development and, and, and kind of raising awareness about, about Ukrainian culture in Vancouver and across Canada as well. So that grew into into the partnership with Cinematech and, and the Ukrainian film series we will talk about today. Right, yeah, an obvious connection. And uh, uh, doing cultural uh, diplomacy, I guess, is what you're doing. And it's uh, certainly very important to raise awareness because so many people are under, um, uh, they don't really know what's going on and are very susceptible to uh, Kremlin propaganda. So it's really important what you gals are doing. So how did this film series evolve? What prompted you to put it together? Uh, Again, as an artist, uh, I have this idea of having a Ukrainian cultural programming for a long time. And I guess the full-scale invasion really kind of pushed me to actually do it. So yeah, it was born of um, not really seeing enough of uh, Ukrainian from cinema art in our Western cultural spaces. Yeah. 
Um, well, it seems like Ukrainian cinema has always been, has always existed in a time of turmoil. Yes, it had a really rough start. And even today when it's finally have some kind of revival, now it's also again under the threat. Yeah. So how is Ukrainian cinema different from North American cinema? Um, what would you say? I think there's kind of, there's a little bit of different uh, maybe topics and visual uh, language that ex- exists in Ukrainian cinema, um, which is, again, we are very excited to share. And I guess like this different sensibilities and just kind of like telling different stories, maybe that's sure. kind of part of it. Yeah, yeah. As far as the, the technology, would you say it's kind of on a par with how North American cinema um, evolved throughout the 20th century and, and up to now? Or, um, I guess you would have had different, you would have, have had, Ukraine would have had a lot of fewer resources, wouldn't have had the opportunity, probably because they were under political influence a lot more than here, presumably. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's also kind of like, I feel like, to make any art or any movie, one need maybe a camera and a light. Uh, so it's also kind of at the end of the day, what does the story look like? So again, it's just personally for me what is important. And I think, yeah, at some point, Ukrainian cinema didn't have enough funding. And when the funding was available, people were like thriving. So yeah, again, it also kind of depends like what is important to the viewer. Mm-hmm. Is it technical or is it more like a story-wise? Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that uh, you had mentioned earlier, and um, this reminded me um, of the film 20 Days in Mariupol, which has been nominated for an Emmy or an Oscar. Yeah, I think it was nominated for Oscar, yeah. For Oscar, and will it be part of this series? Unfortunately, because we planned this quite a long time ago, and again, there's a certain limitation of how many films we can show. Mm-hmm. Again, this film was programmed quite a while ago, so the programming only contained nine full lengths and one short movie. And unfortunately, we don't have Mariupol at this time. Well, but hopefully, we can continue the programming for maybe next year. Okay, yeah. Well, it is actually available online right now, I've, I've noticed. And I've got it. Uh, oh, okay. I, yeah, I've got it queued to watch. So I can put a link um, in the show notes. But what about the films that you are going to be showing? Uh, what were some of the difficulties in putting this together? You said it had taken quite some time. How long did it take and and what was involved with, with putting it together once you got the idea? Again, the idea was born, again, even before the invasion. The process of putting this together, I would say, over a year. And the films having like a spam of from more older cinema when it was produced under Soviet Union and till present day. Um, so yeah, kind of trying to show more like evolution and development of Ukrainian cinema and how Ukrainian directors actually also have contributed to world cinema in general. Oh, so how many films are there going to be? So there's nine full-length films and one short film. And how long is it going to run? Uh, so it starts on the 1st of February and runs all the way till 22nd. And the screening must spread all the way through the weeks. Oh, good. Okay. And is it just one showing per film or will it be more than one? Um, most of the films has two showings, but um, there's only a couple that have one showing. So the opening one, only one showing, as well as the last one, 
is the only one showing. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about the films? The first one is by a very famous Ukrainian cinematographer, Dovzhenko, and you're opening with that one on the first. Yeah, so um, I feel like that um, that director is a very important director for Ukrainian cinema, and he's considered to be a father of Ukrainian cinema, so I thought it would be a very symbolic way to open with that movie. And Earth also is a very prominent film of his, and during the time this movie was banned, just nine days after its release. Wow. And again, later when, when Stalin died and people discovered this movie again, it was become one of the most famous silent movie of, at that time. So again, it is a very important movie. The visuals is very beautiful and it shows that during the period of coloniz- uh, collectivization, it shows the changes and how Ukrainian people react to it, as well as like a really beautiful connection to the land that Ukrainians have developed. Mm-hmm. So are there going to be English subtitles for um, all of the films for those who don't speak Ukrainian? Yes, all of the films have English subtitles, so they're available for a wider Canadian audience. Okay. So you started this several years ago then, so it's a gargantuan project, obviously. And what what do you hope that uh, viewers, Ukrainian-Canadians and non-Ukrainian-Canadians alike, uh, will take away from this film festival? Is there a central message that you wanted to convey? I think these movies were also selected in order to showcase our voices and our stories. So I hope that a lot of people would be able to hear our stories. And I believe that it's very important to share our stories. And that's how we can connect and understand each other better. That was my main objective. Mm-hmm. Irena, can you weigh in with your perspective on, on this film festival? Yes, no, I just wanted to speak, you know, from the perspective of Maple Hope Foundation, it's been, you know, one of the lines of help that we are focused on. We are, of course, you know, providing medical help, supporting mental health as well, which is one of very important lines of help Mm -hmm. for us and and supporting Ukrainians from that perspective in in both Ukraine and those that have relocated to Canada Mm -hmm. um, after the war began. Um, but building cultural awareness is an invisible front in a way that is so important as well to to, to kind of fight on, right, um, mm-hmm. with, with everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as it was so articulately said, and, and our, our Alina mentioned, with Ukrainian culture currently being under threat. So from that perspective, Maple Hope Foundation is very excited to support this Ukrainian film series. And on a personal level, uh, being a huge cinephile, <laughs> it's exciting to me to even, you know, watch some movies I haven't personally seen previously. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like an incredible event to take in um, all films if possible, but at le- even at least one just to just to rub shoulders with other people who are, are also interested and to rub shoulders with, with you, the organizers. Maple Hope Foundation has been around for quite a while. I, I've known Svetlana Komenko, who was a co-founder um, for, for many years, and uh, she does she works so hard, and I know that she probably is a bit of a slave driver and works the rest of you, And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but I know that you don't mind. And um, you do great work, and 
this uh, film series will in part support your work and people can make a donation to Maple Hope Foundation any time of year. But attending this is, um, I think, more of a benefit than just being able to make a donation, get a tax write-off and feel good. It, you'll learn something. Um, and I think people will take away something much more valuable from attending even one of these films. Absolutely. It's the combination of, you know, two essentially important things to us. Of course, donations as well help. So we will be able to provide help on the ground, be it in Ukraine or in Canada, as I mentioned, through other lines of help, Mm -hmm. as well as raising that awareness around the world to whoever, you know, is, is coming to Singham Attack and is watching this movie. So... Good. So tell us then um, how, um, where it is again, how people can uh, get tickets. There are a few different ways. Uh, anyone following Cinema Tax can find the tickets and the movie schedule on the Cinema Tax website, cinematax.ca, as well, and, and can purchase tickets there. Another option is following the whole foundation, either on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, locating information that way. We will continue posting uh, throughout the month of February. And uh, Alina? Yeah, um, I also promote it on my side. So I have um, Ukrainian Days on Instagram and I'm in process of finishing website right now, ukrainiandays.com. And it will also include some other programming, including exhibition and writer's discussion in the following month. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for coming on and sharing all this information. And uh, the opening is on February 1st. So just tell us a little bit about what's going to be happening there and um, why people should be there on February 1st. Yeah. So February 1st, um, there will be a reception at 7 p.m. And we're going to be serving Ukrainian wine from Odessa, as well as some sweets, also Ukrainian sweets. Um, So we were very excited to, you know, welcome everyone and share a little bit of taste of Ukraine, you know, culinary taste of Ukraine. So Mm -hmm. again, we welcome everyone and hope to share this with everyone. Okay. And then you will be there to introduce the first film. Is that right, Alina? Yes, I will be there to introduce the series, mm-hmm. um, so I'll have a little introduction, um, as well as Maple Hope Foundation have a little introduction. Okay, I'll, and Irene, you'll be there too? Yes. Okay, super. Well, look forward to meeting both of you in person. It was great to meet you um, here online. Thank you again so much for coming on, and thank you for doing this project, and for all the work that you do through Maple Hope Foundation. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Покрашили по
Ukrainian ensemble Marena and Company with Spivanka Prosusida, a song about a neighbor and not a very good neighbor. Up next, a blast from the past, Rushnichok with When Clouds Hide the Sun. in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. Maple Hope Foundation is excited to announce the Ukrainian film series Witnessing Change, Ukrainian Cinema in a Time of Turmoil, on Thursday, February 1st at the Cinematheque in downtown Vancouver. Witnessing Change provides an overview of the evolution of Ukrainian cinema from its difficult start in harsh Soviet times through Perebudova, the 1960s thaw, the precarious early days of Ukrainian independence, and its revival in the early 2000s. Today, under the duress of an uninvited war, Ukrainian cinema is again under material threat. Spanning nearly a century of cinema, the films in this series touch on issues that continue to shape Ukraine and the Ukrainian diaspora. Through these films, viewers can glimpse the complex history of the Ukrainian people's ongoing struggle for self-determination. 
Opening night for the film series is Thursday, February 1st. The event begins with a reception at 7 p.m., followed by an introduction to the screening of the film Zemlya, Earth, by the curator Alina Senchenko at 8 p.m. Alexander Dovzhenko's film Zemlya, or Earth, is set in 1930 and considers Ukraine and its societal change in the face of war and collectivization. This restored version of the film features an evocative score by Ukrainian ethno-chaos folk group Dacha Bracha. The Ukrainian film series is co-presented with Cinematheque, and part proceeds will benefit the Maple Hope Foundation. The Cinematheque is located at 1131 Howe Street in Vancouver. For tickets and the film schedule, visit thecinematheque.ca or maplehopefoundation.org. And I'll put the links in the podcast show notes for you. On Wednesdays, tune in to the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos, which can be heard in the Vancouver listening area at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on CHLY 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. And at 6 p.m. Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com for another hour of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Please send us your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. In between broadcasts, visit our Facebook page and for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feed, and a link to our Patreon site where you can support our work if you like, visit our website at www.nashholos.com. And another blast from the past with another iconic group in Ukrainian-Canadian music from Manitoba, the beloved Mickey and Bunny, with the Ukrainian folk song Sonsenizenko, Sunset. Nahadayu vesluhiti radio programu Nash Holos, radio Nashoho Korinya, nabahatumovni radio stansi AM 1320 at CHMB, umisti Vancouveri. Nizhame vshiskinchila nasho programu vshichaste domo vizkazate do pobachinya. Ale peritem... Zemi slovami mudroste. Dobro kripko tremai, avsiake zlo i leho čortovi vidavai. And our proverb of the week translates as, Stubbornly hang on to good and give all evil back to the devil. And with that, we've come to the end of another edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. In between broadcasts, please stay in touch with us via our Facebook page. And for transcripts, audio archives, and a link to our podcast, visit www.nashholos.com. 
And of course, you can always find Nosh Holos on your favorite podcast app. While our time is up, so we'll wrap up the show with Jaden Chornaboy from Steinbach, Manitoba, and Ishumet. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nosh Holos and AM1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich! Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.